Amen Rock Church. What's up? Merry Christmas. Who's the man? Merry Christmas. Y'all happy to be in church today? Hey, let's uh, say hello to, first before we get to the campuses, let's say hello to all the people in the military around the world who are watching online. God bless y'all. Merry Christmas. Amen. We also want to say hello to all the guys in Donovan State Prison, all the kids in Juvenile Hall, and then our campuses, San Isidro, City Heights, East County, San Marcos. God bless all y'all. God bless you. God bless you. Uh, let's all stand up one more time. I know you're all excited for Christmas. How many of y'all haven't done shopping, finished your shopping? I went to the store today at, it was in the third quarter of the Char- Chargers game. Right when I figured there'd be a break, and I went in there, and I got in and out of the store in 27 minutes and got back to my house. Oh, my grandson wants to come. You want to say, you want to come uh, pray with me? Oh, good. <laughs> this is, this is uh, Miles. This is the, um, the future pastor of the Rock Church. <laughs> you want to pray with me? Okay, we're going to pray. And he's praying in his spirit. He's just a silent prayer. You want to pray with Grandpa? Let's just pray. Put your hands together. Good boy. Put your hands together. We're going to pray like this. They started to move. Okay, let's all bow for a word of prayer. Put your hands together and pray with Grandpa. Want to rub heads? Lord, we just thank you so much for Christmas. We thank you for all the presents we're going to get tomorrow. Thank you for everybody that's here, all the families that are here. Thank you for MJ, little Miles, and we just pray you bless him and all the kids that are here and all the campuses. We pray that, Holy Spirit, you would guide and direct all those little kids closer to you every day, that you would give their parents wisdom and patience as they raise them and deal with all the challenges of raising children. We pray your anointing on all those children and their families and your anointing on our service. And, Lord, I pray for all the people who are here and in all our campuses, in Juvenile Hall, in Donovan State Prison, people watching online. Lord, there are people who are sick. There are people who have burdens on their hearts and on their minds. Holy Spirit, I, I, Father, I pray you open heaven and pour the Spirit of God on them. And that you would heal people's bodies, encourage souls, mend relationships, give people vision and hope. I pray this Christmas would be more about the gift of life and peace and joy than a gift in a box. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. And Lord, I pray a special prayer on me. I pray I don't get sick. (laughs) In Jesus' name, amen. And give Grandpa a hug. Give Grandpa a hug. Give Grandpa a hug. <clears throat> you want to wave? Wave. How about you want to look? Just look at people. Okay, you did good. Je- good job. Good job. You may be seated and say hello to someone next to you. <laughs> okay, everybody ready? Hey, how many people here for the first time in all the campuses? Raise your hand. Very good. God bless y'all. God bless y'all. Let's give those people a big hand. Amen. 
Let's see your Bibles. Let's see your Bibles on the count of three. Lift up your Bibles and say word. So if you're new, uh, this church is very challenging counting. So, <laughs> so I'm going to say one, two, three, uno, dos, tres, and then we're going to lift the Bibles up and say word. Amen. One, two, three, uno, dos, tres. Very good. Let's turn to Matthew chapter two. Matthew chapter two. And if you are, um, today we're going to uh, share a message. We're going to have communion. We'll do an altar call. And tomorrow we'll be here at noon doing the exact same thing. Okay, so if you don't, if you want to come back or if you have somebody, know somebody who has not here today, uh, tell them we'll be here tomorrow at noon on Christmas Day. Amen? Amen. Um, if you weren't here over the last month, we've been doing a series called Giving Up Christmas. And I've been talking about how culture is pushing Jesus out of Christmas. Even though I heard for the first time in 42 years or 34 years, there is a nativity at our state capitol building with Jesus in the manger for the first time in 30-something years. I heard that. It was amazing. But you'll notice that people are replacing Merry Christmas with Happy Holidays and, and Christ is kind of getting pushed out. So we decided to do a series called Giving Up Christmas and talk about how that was happening when Jesus was born. That when he actually was born... There was resistance, apparent resistance to his birth and talking about what we can learn from those instances. For example, whenever you hear the story about the manger, that there was no room in the inn, I always heard that as there was no room in the inn and he had to be relegated to be born in an eating trough for animals. And God showed us something something to me this year. He said, no, no, no. If I created the heavens and the earth, if I wanted him to have a room in the inn, I would have made a room in an inn. It's not a really complicated thing. I wanted him to be in the manger. Because in a house, there was a room for the animals, a stall inside the house, where the animals went at night. It was the nastiest part of the house. It was, a ha- it was the room that stunk up the rest of the house. And Christ says, that's where I want to go. I want to go to the nastiest part of your life. I don't want to go to the room where the nice rooms, where the guests are, where you got plastic over, over your furniture. How many of you got plastic on your furniture? I, it just dawned on me when I was teaching this a month ago what that was all about. It, it's not only to keep the furniture nice. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. It, 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 here's why your parents have plastic on the furniture. One, to keep it nice even though you can't sit on it. <laughs> Think about it. You're not, you, you can, they put plastic on stuff that you're not even supposed to sit on. So if it's supposed to protect you, you might as well sit on it. But I remember going over a girl's house. This is way before I met my wife. And we would sit, and a father would say, you sit there, you sit there, and then they would leave the room because they knew if we moved, they would hear the plastic. <laughs> That's what it was really about. You didn't, you didn't know that, huh? That was a trick. But, but, but Jesus says, I don't want to go into the, to the nice room that's made for the guests. I want to go into the nasty room because I want to go to the nastiest part of your life. Some of y'all haven't been to church in a while. Y'all were here last Easter. And now you're here now. No, and, and by the way, welcome. We'd love to see you. We'll be here next week. But God says he wants access to your manger. He wants access to your attitude, your pride, your arrogance, your addiction, your gossip. He doesn't want you to show him off as I've been to church. He wants to go into the dark part of your life. So let him there. Give him access there. Matter of fact, ask him, God, search my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. Let's say that out loud. Say, God, search my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. 
When you put your head on your pillow tonight, say that and listen. That's what he wants. Uh, then we talked about Herod. When Herod, the king, heard there was another king, Herod wanted to kill Jesus. As a matter of fact, he killed all the kids in Bethlehem under two years old after the wise men tricked him. And Herod was trying to eliminate the threat to his control. Jesus represents control of your life. One of the reasons people don't want to acknowledge God, because once you acknowledge God, you have to acknowledge that there's someone you must bow down to. So if there's no God up there, then I could be God. So Herod said, I'm going to kill him. We do that every single day, every time we decide to do what we want versus what God wants. Control. Then we talked about Joseph, who, when he heard Mary was pregnant, he was going to put her away and divorce her. And an angel came into him in a dream and said, no, 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 what's happening in Mary is from God. In other words, God's doing a supernatural thing in Mary's life. I know it's going to make you feel uncomfortable because you're engaged to her and she's married. And nobody's going to believe that she didn't get married from having sex, that some Holy Spirit did it. So you're going to have to deal with that your whole, your whole nine months. Oh, by the way, the rest of your life. Because if I was in Jesus' day, I would never believe until I saw Jesus rise from the dead that Mary got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Can I get an Amen. And so he told Joseph, Joseph, I know this is going to be rough, but I want you to stick with her because I'm doing a miracle in her life. And God wants you to stick with people who are struggling because God's doing a miracle in everybody's life. He's working in their life, so be patient with them. Don't run away. Don't write them off. Work with them by faith. Are you following me? Everyone say manger. Everyone say control. Everyone say obedience. Or say miracle. Now I want you to say it's time. In every single one of these situations where, where man was trying to push Jesus out, God says, I am going to provide a way. It is time. And even though in your life you may have been pushing God out in your own way, you're not allowing him into your manger. You're not giving him control. You're not willing to work with people and the miracles he's doing in everybody's life. Uh, let me elaborate on that one minute. Every single person, 100%, of the people you know, God is loving them. Everyone say everybody. Every single person. Everyone say every single person. God is loving them. He's loving them. And he wants you to be part of that process. And what we do is we pick and choose whose process we want to be part of. We pick and choose the processes that we like, that we enjoy, that we think will be easy. But yet God puts people in our life. We go, I don't want to be part of that process. And God says, so you're telling me that you're going to say no to me. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? This is what Christmas is about. Christmas is not about the tree. It's not about the presence. It's about transformation of life. And so in every single one of these instances, God is trying to show us what he was about, what, what Jesus was coming into the world for. So now everyone say it's time. It's time for us to do what God did. Number one, look at number, look at verse, chapter two, verse 11. Say it's time to worship. Even though Christ was in the manger, the, the wise men went into the nastiest part of the house. Imagine these guys traveled following a star with gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they knock on the door and they said, there's somebody in this house we need to worship. And they said, oh, come to the living room. No, nah, we're not going to the living room. Or come to the parlor. We're not going to the parlor. Come to the kitchen. We got a nice marble, marble top. We got a little fan. No, no, we're not, we don't want to, we, this, there's a, where's that smell coming from? Oh, that's the, that's the, that's the store. That's where we're going. 
and we're going to worship whoever's in there. <laughs> Told me you're going to find a kid in a manger, not on the couch, not on the bed, in a manger. That's what you're going to look. Look what it says in, in chapter 2, verse 11 of Matthew. It says, when they came into the house, they saw a young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and did what? Everyone say worship. <laughs> they worshiped him, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts. Gold, because he was a king, the king of kings. That means there's no leader ever on the planet that is higher than the king of kings. We have presidents. Presidents are lower than kings. Presidents are not as rich as kings. They're not as, their, 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 their terms are shorter. King is higher, and God is the king of kings. They gave him gold, frankincense, frankincense because he was a priest. What does that mean? He was a bridge builder between man and God. In other words, if you want to get to God, you got to go through Jesus. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. He said that. So when people say, well, well there must be many ways, well, then you need to argue with Jesus on that. I don't even have to say anything. He himself said, if you want to go to the Father, you got to go through me. And it started when I was born when they gave me frankincense, which was incense that a priest would serve. And then they gave him myrrh. Everyone say myrrh. One of the purposes of myrrh was to embalm a dead body. They say this boy was born to die. Jesus was born to die. They gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Say it's time to worship. It's time for you and us to go beyond the commercial holiday of Christmas and worship him. What does worship him mean? It is a response of respect when the character of God is revealed. Even the demons worshiped him. Ooh, if you read in the Bible, whenever a demon-possessed person, whenever Jesus approached a demon-possessed person, you know what the demon-possessed person did? They got on their knees and they bowed. They said, we know who you are. And Jesus never had to say, get on your knees. They just did it because they knew who he were. Why? Because the demons were angels in heaven. They knew exactly who he was, and they knew that one day they would judge them into hell. And yet we will come to church and stand like this when we worship. Or we stand like, get it over with. It's time to worship and say, God, I acknowledge who you are and I acknowledge who I am not. Can I get an amen? N- number two, say it's time to escape. Everyone say it's time to escape. Look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. It says, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, arise, take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Stay there until I bring you word for Herod will seek the young child till I destroy him. In other words, here's a baby Jesus the king says, kill the baby. And the baby, now, obviously I wasn't there, but here's baby Jesus in the crib. <laughs> Just like any baby. It wasn't like he was a, a super, super advanced baby where he was like, hey, we need to go to Egypt, let's go. <laughs> he was a baby. So he was sitting there in swaddling clothes, and he was just, uh, and an angel came and said, Joseph, I can't talk to my son because he's a baby. Here's what you need to do. There's a king who wants to kill him. Matter of fact, that king is going to kill every kid under two years old in this town. So I'm going to save you. Go to Egypt. And when you go there, I'll tell you when to come back. Say it's time to escape. Um, Christmas is about God saving you from yourself. There are some of y'all in bondage to anger. You're in bondage to fear. You're in bondage to drugs. You're in bondage to relationships, physical contact. You're in bondage to what's on your screen, on your computer, or your phone. 
God wants to save you. He wants you to say to him, I acknowledge that the son was born in a manger by a virgin, supernatural. And the kings came and worshiped him just like you said. I want to worship him and give my life to him. I want to be saved. I want to be set free from my bondage. In 1984, I was in a crack house with a friend of mine. I was doing powder cocaine. He was doing crack. That was 32 years ago. That year, I stopped doing cocaine. But my friend did not. And here we are, 32 years later, he's still using that. Breaks my heart. He's still in bondage. You don't have to be. You can actually be set free. Now, only you know some of the things you are in bondage to. Because the Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We don't even know what we're, all the things that we're in bondage to because we deceive ourselves. But if you say to God, God, search my heart, reveal to me what I need to surrender to you. By the way, if you just say, Lord, forgive me of my sin, I surrender my whole life to you, and you continually surrender, he will over time reveal more and more of those things to you. But at some point, you need to say, Lord, I just surrender. I accept that you died for my sin and rose from the dead, that you want a relationship with me, so I surrender. And let him begin a process that will develop until the day you die. Because he's never going to leave you or forsake you. Say it's time to escape. Next one, say it is time to do as the Spirit says. Everyone take a deep breath in. You're not writing notes so you can talk. Say it's time. Take a deep breath in. Say to do what the Spirit says. The Bible says angels say spirit. And here's what the thing is, that there's a small, still voice. And here's how God speaks to you. If you ever want to know what God's voice sounds like, I'm going to tell you. It is not James Earl Jones. How many of y'all don't know who James Earl Jones is? Just raise your hand if you don't know who it is. It's not someone that sounds like Darth Vader. It's a small, still voice. Here's how God, now this is from my personal experience, from what the Bible says, and from what all the people I know who has heard God's voice, it all is consistent. There's two or three characteristics that I'll just point out. One, it is peaceable. God's never going to go, hey. (laughs) He don't need to. He's just going to, it's peaceable. It's a small still voice. It's never going to contradict the Bible. So if you hear a small, still voice say, you need to just slap them in the head. That's not God. (laughs) So it's never going to contradict the Bible because God can't contradict himself. And it's going to sound like your conscience. He's just going to whisper to you. He's going to say at 3 o'clock in the morning when you wake up, why don't you pray? Watch this. How many have ever heard that in the middle of the night? Just raise your hand. There you go. And didn't it sound like your voice? And didn't you say, oh, that's just me, and went back to sleep? <laughs> think about it. Do you really think you're telling yourself to get up and pray at 3 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> that is not you. But that's how God is. God will say, hey, um, why don't you pray? Why don't you go to church today? Seven days later, why don't you try two weeks in a row? Why don't you bring your Bible? 
Think about it. Watch this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do another test. How many of y'all ever had this happen? You're walking out of your house to church. Your Bible is sitting right in front of you. And the little voice says, pick the Bible up. And you overrule and say, eh, it's too heavy. And you walk by. Can I get a man? Raise your hand. Look at, look at, look. Come, be honest, be honest. Come on now. Let's try this elbow above the ear. Be honest. Raise your hand. There you go. There you go. Simple thing. So God's like, you know, God didn't say beat you on the head. Why aren't you, you lazy dog and da da He just said, ah, man, that was messed up. And then he's going to say this. Um, this is what he did to me. Quit your job. Go start a church. With no money. <laughs> but he had prepared me so many times before that doing things with no money. He said, you ready? I said, I'm ready. There was a time when I was going to do it before he spoke to me and I was having nightmares. I was getting boils on my face. A boil is a, uh, a biblical term for a big zit, but it's more biblical when you say boil. <laughs> like that. So God's going to say to you, um, I want you to trust me with your life. In a minute, this is God talking to you. In a minute, or a few minutes, because God can't estimate wrong, the guy up there is going to ask you to bow your head. And he's going to lead you in a prayer. Don't get hung up on the prayer. Because the, the prayer simply means they are the parameters of the relations. This is God talking to you. They are the parameters of the relationship I want to have with you. And here are the parameters. This is God talking to you. You're a sinner. And without me, you're going to die and go to hell. All, all I want is a relationship with you. But I'm not going to have a relationship with you on your terms. Because I created you for me. And if I have a relationship with you on your terms, it won't be a good relationship. Because you don't understand the kind of relationship we can have. So I just want you to admit you're a sinner. And I want you to surrender yourself to me. I sent my son Jesus to die on the cross to prove that he loved you. And then he rose from the dead to prove that he was God. And to prove that he can actually give you eternal life. You should never trust anybody to give you eternal life if they're dead. That's really basic. Let's think about this. You should never trust someone to give you eternal life if they are dead. Because if they are dead, they can't give you anything. Say amen if that makes sense to you. So, so Jesus says, I'm going to rise from the dead to prove I can give you eternal life. And so I want you to trust me. And so here's Joseph in this, I'm going back to me now talking. Here's Joseph in the Bible. And Mary says, I'm pregnant. And, 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 and she says, the Holy Spirit. And, and Joseph says, I was born that night, not last night. So you must have been with somebody. So you got to go. He goes to sleep. And the angel comes into him in his, in his dream and says, Joseph, your wife is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. I know it doesn't make any sense to you. And I know you're going to get ridiculed probably for the rest of your life. I know you're going to deal with a lot of drama and nobody's going to believe this story. But I need you to trust me. And Joseph wakes up and does exactly what the angel says. That would have been hard. Can I get amen, fellas? That would have been hard. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. It says... While he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. 
Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Everyone say, do not be afraid. Uh, when we, when we, in a minute, I, I, I'm going to call you to give your life to Jesus. Don't be afraid. You may think, well, he's going to make me weird. No, you already did that. <laughs> Culture will do that. He's going to make you what he intended you to be. Then it says, don't be afraid to take Mary to your, for your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. This is an angel talking to him in a dream. She will bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took to him his wife. And he did not know her intimately until she brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Here's what the angel said. I want you to trust me. You're going to have a son. He's going to live. He's going to die for the sins of the world. And then he's going to rise from the dead. I want you to trust me. And Joseph said, yes, I will do that. In a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. Here's what that means. That you're admitting that you're a sinner. That Jesus Christ died to pay the penalty for your sin. And then he rose from the dead. If you go to Jerusalem today, his tomb is empty. He walked around 40 days after he rose from the dead and had people touch him. They ate with him. They spoke with him to prove that he was really alive. And then he ascended into heaven in public. So there's no mystery. There's no argument. There's no debate whether all this happened. And he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All he wants from you is a relationship. When people have children... The reason they should have children, and most do for this reason, is because they want to love that child, have relationship with that child. Why is that? Because the same reason God created humans was to have relationship with you. And in the context of that relationship, he would love you and encourage you and reveal to you why you are here and how he designed you. So in a minute, we're going to pray, and you're going to have an opportunity to say, Lord, I want you to forgive me of my sin and come to live in my heart. After we do that, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on all the campuses. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. After that, we're going to take communion. And after that, we're going to have an altar call. So right now, I'm going to ask all of you all on all the campuses, just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to listen very, very carefully. You're going to hear a small, still voice in your heart, you're going to hear a voice in your ear. That's me. You're going to hear a voice in your heart. That's God. Lord, thank you so much for everyone that is here. Thank you so much for everyone that, at all of our campuses. Thank you for the people in the lobby and in the cafeteria in room 230. Lord, thank you that you were born in a manger, not a hospital, not the nice room, no fanfare, 
in a nasty manger with animals. You were real and relevant from birth. Thank you that they worshipped you in that manger. Thank you that you finally took control, that you are truly king of kings. As you listen to my voice, if you realize that you are a sinner, the Bible says all have sinned. If you believe that the penalty of sin is death, we all know everybody dies. But the Bible also says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. The Bible says God put eternity in us. We all know in our heart there's something more than this. Every funeral I've done, whether Christian or non-Christian, they always say, that person's in a better place. By faith, they say that. Because God put eternity in our heart. So if you believe that you are a sinner, you believe you're going to die because of your sin, but you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, rose from the dead. And you want him to forgive you of your sin and establish a relationship with him. I want you to pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray it by faith, believing that Jesus loves you, that he knows who you are. And that you really want him to come into your manger, get in your business, transform your heart. That you're not just going to relegate him to the nice room to show him off, but you're going to let him go into your nasty room. So if you would like to do that, I want you to pray this prayer in your heart. Before you pray that prayer, eyes closed, heads bowed, let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I pray. Holy Spirit, speak to people. Give them courage and faith. There are some people in here have been hearing this message for years, going to Christmas services for years. But if they were to die today, you would say, I never knew you. I saw you at church. But you never surrendered to me. It was always about you. I want it to be about me. This is Jesus talking. Holy Spirit, affirm that in people's hearts. Whatever campus you're in, if you would like to ask Christ to be your Savior, in a minute I'm going to pray and then we're going to take communion. All the campuses together, we're going to take communion right after that. So eyes closed, heads bowed. If you would like to ask Christ to be your Savior, I want you to, in the privacy of your heart, by faith, pray this prayer with me. Pray, dear God, I believe that I am a sinner. And I believe that the penalty of sin is death. But I believe, by faith, that Jesus loves me. That he died on the cross for my sin. And that he rose from the dead. Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Fill me with the Spirit of God. I want relationship with my Heavenly Father. I lay my life down at the foot of the cross. You are my Lord and my Savior.
as the eyes are closed and the heads are bowed in all the campuses, as the eyes are closed and the heads are bowed, in a minute I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you prayed that prayer. And what that means is that you're going to put your elbow above your ear and put your hand way up in the, eye, in the sky so I can see you. Eyes closed, heads bowed on all the campuses. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to count to three. I just want you to slip your hand up on the count of three. Keep your eyes closed, heads bowed in all the campuses. If you prayed that prayer for whatever reason, uh, slip your hand up on three. One, two, three. Raise your hand up really high. God bless you. Dozens of you all over the sanctuary. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Dozens of you. God bless you. God bless you. Keep your hand up really high so I can see all around the room. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Very good. You can put your hands down. Lord, thank you. Christmas 2016, lives are changing. Relationships are healed. Hearts being healed. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give all those people a big hand. God bless y'all. Yes. Amen.